Our liturgy this morning began with a famous prayer. This is probably one of the most frequently quoted collects in the Book of Common Prayer. And because it moves past rather quickly, I'm going to read it again. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now, the quotable phrase is that series of verbs, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. These words describe the process of what's in Scripture getting into us. But over the years, it's gradually dawned on me, wait a second, there are five verbs in this list. We almost always skip the first one. Grant us so to hear them read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. I think the them and the comma just means it drops out. But there's a reason that this word hear comes first in the list. For most of us, hearing comes first in our lived experience, right? Someone, whether that's a parent or a godparent or a neighbor or a pastor or a friend, someone tells us about Jesus and we begin to believe. In my case, that happened before I even knew how to read. Thanks, Mom. Hearing comes first in our lived experience. It also comes first in our liturgical experience. We hear the scriptures read and proclaimed Sunday after Sunday. The books of the New Testament were written to be read aloud in the assembly of believers. And I want to suggest that there's also a sense in which hearing comes first in an ongoing way in our spiritual lives. And this came to mind particularly because this is a conversation I have somewhat often. I've had it with some of you probably. I struggle with Bible reading. I know it's important. I know it's central to the Christian life. I know this is vital. And yet, somehow it just doesn't quite seem to be working. I'm stuck. I feel dry. And I hear that because that's something I struggle with too. But I wonder if part of the problem is that in practice, we skip the first verb in this list from our collect. We run straight to reading. We also mostly stop with reading. We sort of assume that read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. Those other things will happen automatically as long as we read. But what we don't do is we don't really stop first to hear, to listen, to learn from Scripture what scripture is for. And this morning, I believe we have an opportunity to hear from scripture what scripture is for, because our whole Isaiah reading from Isaiah chapter 40 is just shot through with oral language, with words that are meant to be heard. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her. A voice cries in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
Friends, any fruitful encounter with Scripture has to start here. God is speaking. These aren't just words about God. The Holy Spirit breathes through them. God is speaking. And notice he doesn't just address Isaiah. This isn't a conversation merely between the Lord and his prophet. Comfort my people, says God. No, Isaiah is sharing these words from God with God's people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. It's not just that God is speaking. God is speaking to us. And this is so important. We're not just eavesdroppers listening in a couple of millennia too late. We aren't some sort of archaeologist trying to excavate some meaning from ancient texts that were never really intended for us. There's a grave danger, and I think this is especially true for academic types. We have a few of those around here. We're good students, right? We study. We break things down. We look things up. We think about them. Or at least in a pinch, we try to get through as much of the assigned reading as we can. And don't get me wrong, Bible study is good. Biblical scholarship can be tremendously valuable. I've benefited from it greatly. But brothers and sisters, the Bible is not just an object of study. It's not a desiccated fossil to be dusted off and pieced together. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's not something we do. Good news is that isn't something we have to make happen. Okay, I was sort of joking about completing the assigned reading, but I wasn't really joking. I think a lot of us really do approach Scripture this way, as though we have to pass our eyes over a certain number of words or verses or chapters, so that's what good Christians do, right, if you're a dutiful sort of person. And yes, the daily office takes us through significant chunks of Scripture, and for the record, I think that's great. As my spiritual director says, sometimes it's good just to be in the splash zone of Scripture. Sometime, try this sometime, sit down and just read through a book of the Bible straight in one sitting and get the sweep of the thing as a whole. It's a different kind of experience. You'll see different things. Those are good and legitimate ways to encounter the Scriptures, but when we're reading devotionally, what matters is not how much we get through. What matters is how much gets through to us. About a month ago, I was participating in this four-week Ignatian prayer retreat. And one weekend, I was frustrated. Because I was struggling to complete these assigned Bible readings and to read prayerfully and to journal and to try to pay attention to God's presence. I don't multitask very well. I've only got 20 or 30 minutes. I can't do all these things. And so I shared my frustration with the group. A couple of y'all were in the room when this happened. And Debbie Wallace, God bless her, said, Father Jonathan, what do you want from this time with the Lord? 
It was one of those duh moments. It's like, oh, of course, I want to be with God. That's why I'm doing this. It doesn't matter if I finish the assignment. What matters is trying to make myself present and quiet my heart to hear God speaking. I may not always be successful at that. There were days I was not. But that's what I want. That's what I'm here for. Some of you all need to know that it's okay if you're spending time with God and Scripture and you don't always finish the assigned reading. Am I allowed to say that? Maybe there's a word or a phrase that catches your attention and you start to pray about it, or you start to meditate on it, you say, Lord, what are you saying here? This is very strange. What are you trying to get across to me? Maybe you only read one or two verses. Maybe it takes you a week to get through the chapter. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Okay? If you need permission, you have my blessing to stop and hear what God is saying even if you don't get through as much as you had assigned yourself to read. A fruitful encounter with Scripture starts with hearing. When he says to Isaiah, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, the literal translation of that is speak to the heart of Jerusalem. God is addressing a word to our hearts. We need to be paying attention for his voice. But it's not enough just to know that God is speaking we need help to hear him rightly. There's a reason in our collect that we pray, grant us so to hear these words, to read and mark and learn and inwardly digest them, because this is something we're asking God for, because we need help. I don't know about you, I get distracted. It's difficult to listen. It might even be dangerous our reading from 2 Peter talks about things in Scripture that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. You know, heretics read the Bible too. Even Satan quotes from the Psalms when he's trying to tempt the Lord. It's possible to read the words and miss what God is saying, or worse, to misconstrue what God is saying. And again, I think we get a hint of this actually in our reading from Isaiah. A voice says, cry. What shall I cry? What are your words? How do I hear you rightly? After all, all flesh is grass. Its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. We struggle with reading scripture in part because of who God is and who we are. Yes, the Holy Spirit breathes through these words, but we're like grass that fades away when the wind touches it. And it ends with a word of reassurance. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word is sure, it's established, but the reality remains that we're frail and transitory. How are we supposed to bridge that gap? I think that we find some help in answering that question in our gospel reading's interpretation of this passage from Isaiah. Because it, it quotes Isaiah 40 in Mark chapter 1. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. But what's interesting is in Isaiah, it's abundantly clear 
that this is talking about the God of Israel, the one who led his people through the Red Sea, who met them on Mount Sinai, who gave them Ten Commandments, who set his presence in their midst. What isn't clear is how you get from that to behold your God. Because the God who appears on the holy mountain appears in cloud and flame. No one can look upon his face and live. Scripture says this. But Mark 1 quotes this verse from Isaiah, and it's abundantly clear that it's talking about preparing the way for Jesus. He is the Lord made flesh. He's the Word made visible. Isaiah says the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. But in Jesus, as St. Augustine tells us, The eternal word becomes flesh like grass, so the grass can share in his eternity. Friends, God is speaking to us, and it's good news. This is what John announces in the wilderness. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold your God, here he is. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord is coming among us. He interprets God's speech into human terms. Jesus bridges that gap. Some years ago, a friend of mine used to lead chapel sessions at a shelter for women who had lost their homes. And I used to tag along to help lead music. We'd sing a couple of songs at the start. And then my friend would hand around printed copies of a psalm. And she would read through it aloud three or four times with periods for reflection between each reading. And the first time through was just to understand what the words were saying. The next time my friend asked the women to listen for a specific word or phrase that stood out to them, a word spoken to their hearts. But then the third time her question was always, where do you see Jesus in this? Where do you see Jesus in this? That's what we should be asking as we seek to hear God, especially when we're struggling with Scripture. And we're struggling to make sense of it, or maybe we're just struggling with our own distractions. Where is Jesus in this? How does this passage point to the Lord who comes among us? How does this word reveal the word made flesh? If we want to understand what the word is saying, Jesus is the lens. Now, the final question that my friend used to ask was this. What's something from this psalm that you can carry into the rest of your day? And we would close with that. Because it's not enough to know that God is speaking, or even to hear him, or even to see Jesus being revealed in the scriptures. We have to respond. Isaiah hears, and then it's his turn to speak. The people hear John the Baptist proclaiming the word from God, and then they turn to him in acts of confession and repentance. Most of you all know that our parish supports missionaries to northern Iraq, and their main evangelism discipleship tool is Discovery Bible Studies. And Discovery Bible Studies always end by asking folks to identify an obedience point. 
If what this passage from Scripture says about God and about me is true, what am I going to do about it? Last year, Stacy Kramer told some of us the story about several Kurdish men who were reading Jesus' sermon from Matthew 5, and they came to the verse, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. They thought, you know, we have two friends who are at odds, whose relationship is broken. We're going to make a plan to help them restore that relationship. These men weren't even professing Christians yet, but they heard this word from Jesus. They understood that it was spoken to them, and they said, we want to be peacemakers. We want to be called sons of God. Like those men, we're invited in this season of Advent not just to hear the word, not just to see Jesus revealed through the word, but to respond, to prepare the way for the Lord in our own lives by hearing and using Holy Scripture in a way that's transformative, in a way that's fruitful. First, to know that God is speaking and be attentive to the word addressed to our own hearts. Second, to ask, where is Jesus in this? And then third, to seek out that obedience point. What am I going to do about it? If you really want to up your game, find a friend or a partner you can get together with every so often and say, hey, what are you hearing? Let me share what I'm hearing. Or maybe you'll be like me that first week of our prayer retreat and you say, I'm just really frustrated. This isn't working. And you have someone who can listen to you and help you talk that through. But then most of all, someone you can share, here's the obedience point I heard this week. And here's what I've done about it. Or I haven't acted on it. I want you to ask me about it next week and hold me accountable. Because the reality is this is difficult and we need help. We need help from one another and we need the Lord's help to accomplish these things. So I want to end by praying that collect one more time. And I actually want to ask you all to pray it with me. It's on the front of your scripture insert, or it's in your prayer book on page 598. This is the collect for the second Sunday of Advent. Let's join together and ask the Lord to help us to hear his voice speaking in the scriptures, to help us to see Jesus and to respond in a spirit of hope. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.